Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Matt Standing. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Hope you guys all had a great uh, holiday. Obviously, Sunday wasn't quite the uh, quite the emotional journey, depending on either which, whether you were rooting for them for that rally to succeed in Washington to come back and win, or you were like, oh, my Lord, they're not possibly going to win this game, are they? They're going to blow this draft pick. Uh, and that was what it was looking like until Greg Zerline nailed that 54-yarder as time expired. So uh, it was quite the journey on that front. We'll talk about all of that as well as what the Washington's quarterback situation is now for these final two games. Going forward, um, what they should do at that position, um, what's what have they done right, what have they done wrong, also Emmanuel Forbes, where what's going on with him, and also um, as a way to look at the commander's needs i asked our guest i gave him a list of like all the niners top players and said based on the needs and and these guys who would you want for washington um really fun conversation with the great the mouth of the south fred smoot uh so that is what we got going on today i'll get to that in a moment here on the podcast which of course you can find on itunes spotify or wherever you do your podcasting also make sure you check out the athletic we've had Deals at various points this year, but there is one opportunity left in 2023. You can get a uh, 12 months for a dollar a month if you subscribe, I believe, before January 1st. Go click on any of my articles, and you can do that right there. Speaking of my articles, I had a recap, of course, off of the game on Sunday in which I talked about how basically losing was a win because of the draft pick scenario, and I will have a new article out possibly Wednesday, but if not, then by Thursday, looking at the GM candidates, I, I, I tried to not just simply, you know, hear, regurgitate a list. I really t- try to talk to a lot of different people around the league and uh, not just about trying to get an insight into what Josh Harris might do, but what do people think of these various candidates? What's, what do they think of the pool in general? Um, and, and so on. So uh, should be out, like I said, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, one of those days, uh, so check that out on The Athletic. All right, so as I'm talking to you right now, it is Tuesday, late afternoon. We spoke with Ron Rivera about two hours ago. And any hope of him explain, stating who would be his starting quarterback this week didn't happen. He did not yet name Jacoby Brissett or Sam Howell. And, you know, normally I'm one for like, look, it's going to be this or that. Like, it, you know, when it's the writing's on the wall this way, or it's pretty obvious it's going that way, or maybe I spoke to somebody. I'm kind of torn on this one, and Fred and I talked about it a lot because, you know, there's the argument saying, hey, stay with Sam Howe. You've been going with him all year. This has been something I've talked about a lot, written about, including just last week after he got benched in the Rams game. Like, what is the point of going with a guy in Brissett who clearly has played a lot better 
than Howell, but what's the upside? But on the other hand, Howell's performances have been so poor that you maybe risk that you're just damaging him mentally to a degree. I kind of felt like the last two games, he felt like he was sort of bailing out of the pocket, holding the ball too long, bailing out of the pocket when there wasn't the same level of pass rush pressure as he's been facing in other games. But maybe it's the whispers of those prior games. Um, There was a lot of David Carr talk earlier in the year when Howe was uh, getting sacked at a record rate that might eclipse Carr's uh, single season record he wish he didn't have because the whole thing with David Carr was here's a guy who, um, you know, super promising, number one pick in the draft, but the Texans had such a terrible offensive line that he just got battered and seemingly never found the confidence, the rhythm, what have you. To, to, to become the quarterback that a lot of people thought he could be from all those hits. So it is an interesting decision. We'll see what Rivera does. Presumably he'll give us an answer to that on Wednesday. But like I said, uh, Fred and I talked about this a lot, so excited for you to hear that. Um, here's one thing Fred and I didn't talk about. Now, we did discuss going forward. Do you believe in Sam Howell? Essentially this top three pick that they have. Should you go for a quarterback there? You know, all the stuff that we've all talked about, but doing with Fred who's got really good insight. Something I haven't heard a ton about, and I started thinking about this more over the last 48 hours or so. And that is this. The question is like, basically if you have the third pick, do you want to use it on a quarterback or do you want to use it, say for an offensive tackle, which they're going to need obviously. And that offensive tackle would help, you know, hopefully protect whoever's a quarterback. And then, you know, you, you build on that and get a better line. They've, you know, the, the offensive line is depreciated uh, over the past few years. But it's always sort of in the context of, okay, well, you have Sam Howe, or is it you take a Drake May or a Jaden Daniels from LSU? You know, those guys may have more upside based on where they're going to get picked. Um, but Howe's already shown he's pretty interesting and he doesn't have a lot to work with. Obviously, also, we saw the defense crater this year and there's a holes all over the place um of course there's a trade down option but one thing i've i've wondered about is this does it make sense to not just roll with sam howe but keep jacoby Brissett just to use him as the veteran who's already here but let them actually compete for the job not the way it was this past year where it was you know basically pre-written that Sam Howe was going to start unless he just completely stunk, which he didn't. But is there, is that a world where you say, okay, Howe's our young quarterback. And if he's, you know, we're going to have to play him at some point, but you know, we don't have to go to him right away. We can go to Brissett. If the, if the front office or the coaching staff or whoever's making the calls sees a team that's maybe further along that others imagine that they really like what they did in free agency in the draft, et cetera, et cetera. And now you, um, Think, hey, we can compete for a wild card spot this year. Let's go for it and see what happens. I don't know if Brissett would, would be willing to come back if he's just going to be kind of the way it was this year, clipboard, no matter what. But is that a world where maybe it makes some sense? I mean, Brissett is basically, you know, he's like a borderline starter in this league already. It's just he's not a guy that teams want to build around. But he can, as we've seen, he's obviously a good, a good player. But Sam Howe still has that potential. And if you were to get Brissett back on a deal that's, you know, somewhat similar 
like he he got eight million from Washington. That was the highest that any of that sort of spot starter backups got. I, I don't think we've seen like people aren't looking at these last two games and thinking, oh, we got to give Jacoby Brissett twenty million a year now or anything like that. So does that make sense? It, it might, even if like you're not all in on the idea that Sam Howell is the guy. It's still got two cheap years left. Brissett gives you somebody who can come in and play if things start to go in a positive direction, but is also not going to be somebody you can't you can't sit should Hal be ready to do some more things like that. So um, I don't know. I just haven't heard. I don't hear everybody's shows. I don't know, but like I, to me at least, it seemed like more of an interesting idea than I had thought about previously. In part because Brissett had just not been playing. And does that make sense to go with Hal and Brissett? Let's just say. You know, Hal's going to make basically a million. Brissett was at eight this year. Let's just, for argument's sake, give him nine. Uh, so that it's a $10 million combined cost. That's pretty much nothing. They have all this cap space. And you give you, you whoever's going to be making the decisions next year, presumably a new staff, a little bit of flexibility in terms of the timeline to get this thing done. You draft a quarterback. Look, if you like a quarterback, you take the quarterback. But if you're debating, and you throw them out there, you know, to the wolves, so to speak, not the red wolves, but you throw them out there to the wolves and say, Hey, you're gonna have to learn this while we're still building the line. Obviously that, that comes with its own risk, i.e. David Carr. So interesting thought. Uh, I thought, I think, and uh, one, I, I think maybe we should start talking about more as a community over the next uh, few weeks, but we'll see Sam. How is he going to play against the, uh, against the 49ers and then the Dallas game to close it out. It's going to be an interesting question. We'll see what Ron Rivera tells us on Wednesday. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig or at X at Ben Standig. Uh, sorry to my thread people. I just have not been on as much lately. I kind of took it off my phone for no reason. My phone store just keeps getting slammed. And when I was on, out of town for a few days, something had to go. So that went, I'll get it back on eventually. I promise. Um, other than that, you know, uh, but by the way, uh, quick transaction note today, Washington added Jared Patterson. Yes, that Jared Patterson back to the practice squad. This is in part because Brian Robinson, Chris Rodriguez, Jonathan Williams have all been dealing with injuries to some degree over the last two games. So it gives them a little bit more depth. And uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily think Jared Patterson's part of anybody's future, but nice to see him back. I mean, I haven't physically seen him. We will tomorrow. So that's some interesting news. and may say something about where the injuries are as well, um, but we'll see about that. Also, no updates yet on Benjamin St. Juice, Chris Rodriguez, and others. So we'll wait for Wednesday for that. All right, but we're not going to wait anymore for Fred Smoot. Always a fun time talking to the mouth of the South. Uh, Fred, uh, we've talked on all these different topics, like I said, including Emmanuel Forbes, what Fred sees here from a rookie who's had a, tight, a tough year and hasn't been playing much, even though he's a first-round pick. So we'll do all that right now here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right. Uh, like I'm going to say like about 45 minutes ago, I started feeling like I was in very much need of some caffeine, but I was like, eh, it's too late for coffee. What do I do? Oh, I hit up Fred <laughs> Smoot to give me a bolt of energy here to uh, <laughs> to make me get me through my day and discuss the Washington Commanders. So, uh, Fred, you've got some responsibilities here. How uh, How are you? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. How was the holiday for you? Man, the holiday was great. Uh, number family and food. You know how I go. Watching the kids open up the presents, put a smile on your face. How was your holidays, brother? 
Uh, well, it was fine. I was, you know, I did the drive back from New Jersey on uh, Sunday Ugh. night, and then yesterday I just, I did. I was the classic uh, guy. I just sat on my couch and watched football for thirty hours. <laughs> it was some good football play yesterday, especially the last game. Yeah, yeah, no, that was some. That was definitely good. And obviously, Washington will see San Francisco this week. And um, I, I do want to sort of talk to you about the 49ers a little bit later here. Um, but what did uh, did that result of that game kind of change anything for you in terms of how you see uh, who, who's sort of the top team in the league right now? Well, you know, any given Sunday, anything could happen. But I thought it was the best matchup of the year because these teams mimic each other so much. They uh, dominate on defense, uh, stars everywhere. They both can run the ball. They both can throw the ball. They both emphasize special teams. Like, these are the two teams that don't really have any weakness. Now, yesterday what we saw was the, 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 the leg up comes with who has the best quarterback. All right. Once everything else is equal, the, the equalizer is who has the trigger man, the guy that makes things happen. And what nobody wants to talk about is we've watched the maturation of Lamar Jackson and shame on the NFL because the Washington, the Falcons, all of us could have put put forth a deal to bring Lamar Jackson to your team. And what he, we're seeing now, he's running to throw the ball and that's, very dangerous for everybody else in the league and likely stepped up and OBJ and Flowers is everything they thought he was going to be. So we're finally seeing Lamar Jackson with weapons, with a potent defense, with the best kicker in the league. They're going to be a hard out for everybody in the league. And I think the San Francisco 49ers saw yesterday, oh, okay, we can go toe-to-toe with them until Lamar starts being Lamar. You don't really think the Ravens were ever going to trade him, though, right? Well, it wasn't trading. He was a free agent, standing. Like, it's a difference. Quarterbacks don't usually get to the point where they ever free agents at the time he got to that. We all could have put a bid in on this guy. Like, it never gets to that. Like, I don't care if it was 50 million more than what he got. You could have put a deal together and got this guy, which never happens. Well, I, I mean, okay, so trade may be the wrong word, but the Ravens had the opportunity to match any offer. So do you think the Ravens wouldn't have matched any offer? Well, then when you get in a bidding war, it's what it is. It's a bidding war. Who wants to spend the most money? And I'm sorry, the Falcons had a lot of cap room. We had a lot of cap room. The Colts had tons of cap room. So, yeah, we all missed out on the star. We know we did. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he was going anywhere. But, uh, uh, I, you know, it would have been interesting if Dan Snyder was the – I mean, he was the owner at the time that that happened, but he was like – the real owner, the, the owner from the previous 20 years, not yeah. one who's, you know, mm-hmm. about to sell and, and le- dealing with legal matters. That feels like a move he would have gone running gone on. But look, the Ravens made him the highest paid quarterback in the league at that moment. So, yeah, for two weeks. <laughs> right. I don't personally think he was actually available. I just think they were negotiating loudly and because he doesn't have an agent or whatever. But I, I don't, I, I'm not going to, I'll ding this team. Plenty. I am not going to ding them for that because I just don't think he was actually available. But I get your. I, oh, I, well, you know, well, well, you know what? Well, ain't nothing wrong with being wrong. You're just wrong. Stan, ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't have any official coal in my stockings yesterday, so now I just got some from <laughs> from you. Um, all right. Well, we'll come back to the to the Niners part of it in, in a minute. Maybe ask you a little bit more about the bigger picture NFL. But um, we're talking a few moments after Ron Rivera spoke with local media on Tuesday. Uh, anticipating he might say who the starting quarterback would be. He chose not to. 
Uh, basically, you know, typically we talk to Rivera on Mondays and some of the players are in the building, but because of the holiday, that wasn't the case. So we went to Tuesday and the players weren't there. So he, whether he has a decision or not, I think he wants to discuss it with Hal and Brissett and maybe some others who weren't there. Um, so we'll get an announcement one Wednesday, we would think. So mm-hmm. that said, yeah, I, we'll, I want to ask you, of course, about Hal and Brissett. But like right now, just off of that, what would you do with two games to go, seeing how much Hal has struggled of late and seeing how well Brissett's played when he come in? He's come in. Are you do you have a, 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 a an answer for what you would do? Um, I, I would first ask myself, what's going on with the guy that I started this season with, that I invested this season in, the guy that could, the only guy in the quarterback room that could walk me into the future, the guy that I'm trying to see who he is, what he is, and what he's made of. My question is, number one, does he have David Carr syndrome, meaning he's got hit so much uh, that his body not only is hitting the rookie wall, his body – it's just not – he has nothing else to give. I'm, I'm, I got to ask myself that first. Second of all, I got to also ask myself, what? why do I benefit from playing Jacoby Bissett? What's, I can't walk into the future with Jacoby Bissett. Now, let me tell you something about Jacoby Bissett, and this is just the truth. He's the, he's the 33rd starting quarterback in the league. He's right. the best backup in the league. Am I shocked that he steps in and does what he does? No, I'm a veteran. I can read defenses, and I I know who to throw the ball to. Terry McLaurin. I'm going through force feed. Terry McLaurin. That's a veteran backup. What do I benefit? Like I'm, I'm always, you know, I have to weigh things, especially if I'm a coach at this this thing. I started this year saying. I'm invested in this quarterback. I want to see it through no matter what. Well, now we at the time of the year that the question is, can he handle adversity? Why not let him show me, can he handle it or can he not? Now, he's playing against some of the best defenses in the NFL. Right, the last couple of games, then you got uh, the 49ers, one of the best defenses, then the Cowboys, one of the best defenses. That's where I can answer questions at. Is he the future? Like, if I take him out now, Standy, I can't find that out. I go into the offseason with questions, even though it's a lot of questions going into the offseason. All I'm saying is at the end of the day, I don't benefit any, not one iota, if I literally start Jacoby Brissett. It's nothing my team can benefit. It's nothing my organization can benefit from. I have to start Sam Howe. I have to... I got this in, how I started this thing, and I do not want any questions going into the offseason, especially if you're going to have a high draft pick and you got decisions that needs to be made. Uh, I'm, you know, preach preach away. This has been my stance the whole time. The the opportunity to make, when when they didn't make it a real quarterback competition, which Brissett would have won, I know people keep, because of the way we all were reporting things back in the summer, it it wasn't a real competition because they just wanted Hal to get the work and the reps. But if the goal was we got to win in the first game, whatever, Brissett would have been the better choice. He would have been the better choice most weeks um, just because he's a veteran. We see what happens now. Not that he's going to get a touch on every scoring drive, every drive like he's done so far pretty much. But he's just, like you said, he's like the 33rd quarterback. Sam Howe's, it's all about the future. It's not about the present. So since, so since mm-hmm. they passed on that forever ago, I mean, right, they could have benched him after week seven when they lost to the Giants, uh, whatever. It could have done it a few other times. They didn't so what i'm I'm largely with you what's the point now that said let me just play devil's advocate a little bit 
we always hear, hey, there's 52 other guys on the roster. These other players need to get, you know, to do, to get, put their best foot forward on tape for, for either this team, whoever's going to make decisions next year or somebody else. Look how much better the offense has done when Brissett's come in. Isn't it unfair to the other players to not give them the best chance to succeed? What, what, what do you say to that as a former player? And I say that them all lies. At the end of the day, we understand this is an organization, this is a machine, and they they don't work just in the now. They work in the future, and we understand that as players. At the end of the day, and, and when situations get like this, you always playing for the name in front of the jersey, but the name on back of the jersey, you got to represent anyway. Now, all I'm saying is this. We watch backups come into the game. Sam Donald looked good last night when he came in. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we don't if we don't prepare for you on defense, you can see the, the imbalance. Because now the game plan changes for the offense, and the game plan has to adjust. We're we're playing from behind on the defense because now the backup is probably different, has a different mindset. Then that starter, and plus we haven't prepared for him. Yes, I'm not shocked that Jim Kobe said I just said I'm not shocked that he looked good. But he don't he don't look Lamar Jackson good. He don't look game changing good. He ain't he ain't franchise good. Like like I said at the end of the day, we understand what's going on in that locker room. And if Sam is the future, we knew a first-year quarterback was gonna have these ups and downs. We knew this. Like Stanley, that's what I'm saying. Like I can say this, and I'm going to be honest, and I know everybody had their opinion. Sam outplayed my expectations coming into the season. I'm just telling you. And this with the good, the bad, the in-between. You can talk to any coaches that played against him, and they'll tell you it's something there. And and it's not there all the time. Bryce Young is not there all the time. And I know C.J. Stroud has been an anomaly, but we see young quarterbacks do this, but I can tell you this: since Kirk Cousins, Sam Howe has been the best quarterback we've had, and that's hands down. Now, everybody wants to say, "Yes, we got this high draft pick. Yes, it's a starting over. We need to do this and do that." I promise you, if six quarterbacks go in the first round, two will be good in five years. Like we 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 won't romanticize about quarterbacks out the draft every year. Like and people always think draft picks are gold. You got a 50-50 chance of all these athletes going to be good pros. Yes, they were good college players. How they going to be good pros is another thing. When I watch Jalen Daniels, I, I see RG4. I see Robert Griffith the third in his talent. When I see Bo Nix I almost see a better version of Zach Wilson. When I watch Michael Penix Jr., and don't forget Bo Nix has been in college 20 years. At least. You're going to master something if you've been there. He's been that kid on campus that graduated five years ago and refused to leave, to go into the real world. Then you have Michael Penix. Who is the real Michael Penix? Is it the guy from Indiana? Is it the, the older guy that matured? In the Pac-10. So all I'm telling people at the end of the day, watch for what you ask for. And sometimes it ain't as good as you bad. I mean, think it is. It's not as bad as you think it is. All right. Well, we'll definitely have you back on as we get closer to the draft to discuss RG4 and the other prospects. <laughs> um, but um, so, okay. So I look again, I'm totally with you. I just think from the organizational standpoint, letting Sam Howell, either work through his struggles or show he's incapable of it at this point 
is more valuable than Brissett. Not to mention, if Brissett is actually playing well, they cannot afford to win these two games. They need to, in my view, be the unspoken of... word in the room. The unspoken. This, 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 this. The whole thing about it. Do do and every time we ask a player about this, no matter how many whatever sport I've been in, they never say. Well, I mean, we're worried. We, we we care about the draft pick. They just act like it doesn't matter. Do players talk about these things? Because no, we, we don't care. Because you got to understand this. Think about a player, and you're thinking about 53 alpha males. Do we want the best player in the draft walking in our room? Like we want to win games for ourselves. We at no point are we saying, "Oh, we need to lose for the, to get Jadavion Clowney." No, no, we're not. We're in there saying, "Let's win." And let the front office do their job. They got a job to do. We got a job to do. We are not emotionally attached. The front office is the people that either give us our job or take our job. So it's it's a it's a relationship there with unspoken words. So we don't care about draft spots. But I know who does care about draft spots, and that's gonna that's the front office. Period. Yeah. No. 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 No doubt about that. Um. Back. Back to how. So. I guess to this point. He's obviously yeah. been struggling the last, you know, throughout this w- losing streak, or at least after the Seattle loss, he was pretty good in that game. What are you seeing? The coaches have talked about him pressing a little bit. They are playing a lot better defenses of late, and we got two really good ones coming up. What are you seeing that's that's led to this regression? I guess I don't. I don't call it a regression. I call it maturation. I call it attrition. I call it growing. Uh, most The one thing I can say about us as a fan base and us is we're bad at quarterback relationships. Uh, relationships go through ups and downs. See, when you're not used to something and you're not used to watching something grow, every time that you get in an argument, it's the end of the relationship. All right? We don't know how to say, I'm going to take these bumps and bruises with you. I'm going to tell you a person that, his skill set, his talent really remind me of the highs, the lows. You see, and it's just Tony Romo. It's Tony Romo from the late round draft pick story to the, you know, nobody think I could do it to, ooh, I flash. I make these big old plays. I throw for 400. Then I come back and throw for 200 and for four intercepts. Like it's, it, the parallels are there. The only difference is they had already had in their mind we riding with Tony Romo. Now I can say this. If this is Sam's floor, all right, if we're seeing Sam Howe's floor, I'll take it. If this is the worst he's going to be in his career, I will take it because I know he's only going to get better. Well, I think that's the you know part of the big question that will come up this offseason is for most of the year, the conversation was how good is Sam Howe? How good can he be? But now yeah. with all the losing, now that they're currently in the pick in the in the slot to pick third, which means mm-hmm. you may have a shot at either trading up for Caleb Williams without a bigger deal, or maybe Drake May is there, or you know Jaden Daniels. How about Aminu? The, the, the tackle, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Uh, the tackle for Penn State. How about let's see Sam Howe actually with pure protection. Let's actually see Sam Howe with some speed. Uh, options on his offense. Let's see Sam Howe with a tight end that's a true matchup problem. Let's see Sam Howe with some true weapons. Let's see uh, older Sam Howe. Let's. We, I'm tired. Like, think about it. If you go get the Drake May, you still gotta go get a left tackle. You still gotta go get Young with the Young. You still have to go get partners for them. 
Like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So you're telling me you're going to take one of these quarterbacks, put them in the same situation, and expect something to be different. That's the definition of insanity. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you, and, and I don't disagree with that. But I guess the question for me is, okay, fair enough. We don't know what Sam Howell's ceiling is just yet, and you're totally right, and I'm going to get to that in a second. He doesn't exactly have a lot of weapons around him. You know, he had to have a new, had to learn a new offensive system, all, mm-hmm. all these things. Okay. But that said, we are talking about a guy. I understand draft picks don't matter, but we are talking about a guy that the league evaluated as a fifth round pick versus they could now be. I don't care. Like, listen, I'm tired of the, how you got into the league, how you got into the league don't matter. I, it's, it, it, NFL stands for not for long for a reason. First round draft picks are bust all the time. Mel Kuypers, l- listen, it's only two people in this world that get paid to lie. That's the weatherman and Mel Kuypers. Like the end of the day, they ain't even bad 600. It's no different than partly cloudy and partly sunny. At the end of the day, I don't care. London Fletcher barely got into the league. He's a yellow jacket. I've seen this a million times where they build up these college players only to get them in the first round, and most of them are bust. There's a lot of great players in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, undrafted. Does not matter. Now, what he is is who he is and how he got here. You think Cowboys care about Dak being a late round draft pick? You think the uh, you think Minnesota care about Kirk Cousins being a late round draft pick? Nobody cares how you got into the league. Can you stay or can you play? Is the question. I don't care how you got here. See, this is why I said I needed caffeine. I skip caffeine for the energy you're going to give me, and you're doing that. I, I guess my point is, and, and you're look, we don't have to look any further than this organization. You already mentioned Robert Griffin III, Heath Schuler, you know, plenty of guys they picked up, Patrick Ramsey, Jason Campbell, and then Gus Farrat, the seventh-round pick, was as good or better than most of those guys. But all, all that said, I, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, teams are not going to – you don't always know when you're going to be in a position to be able to draft one of these guys that the league collectively seems to think has a lot of potential. And that's why you would take them there. So I guess my question is I, I get, I'm with you on Sam Howe. Maybe it would make sense to let him develop, but these other quarterbacks, there's a mm-hmm. reason why teams think, Hey, they may be worth a top three or four or five pick. Does it make, how do you evaluate that? The maybe Sam, you know, I've heard people compare Sam Howe to, to Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's a totally good quarterback, mm-hmm. but he's not yep. viewed as a, you know, he, he never developed into like a, true difference maker, the guy that can carry a team, et cetera, or maybe one of these guys can be. So how do you weigh the opportunity to possibly get one of those guys? I think Sam Howell is, has a total high ceiling than, than Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is the ultimate game manager, which everybody plays inside the offense anyway. So everybody's part of an offensive game plan. I look at, Sam is boom or bust in quarterback. And sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. But when good Sam Howe shows up, we're we're talking about 400 yards for touchdown. All right. So don't let's not act like he hasn't put things on film. And I'm not knocking this this year's quarterback, but like I said, we do this every year with the draft. Taylor Williams, I do think he has some game-changing plays inside of him now you have the thing with him is that i do like about sam sam is not emotional 
You don't see emotional ups and downs with Sam. You're up 40, Sam sitting over there, Sam with a scowl on his face. You're down 20, he has a scowl on his face. He don't emotionally go on these rides. Caleb bringing him back home to D.C. We see kind of what happened with Chase Young bringing him back home with D.C. And, you know, it, 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 it's things can come with that. Drake May, he reminds me of Justin Herbert. All right, I think he, but he has to clean up his feet. And if he has to clean up his feet, he can't do that behind an uh, offensive line that doesn't protect. All right, then you bring in Jalen Daniels. Like I said, with each of these guys comes some problem that you're going to have to adjust to. Now, what Sam going to have to adjust to is, is his third offense in three years. Right? He's going to have to adjust to new everything. Like I think people forget, Coach B. Enemy, I've only been here for six, seven months. Like, let's be honest. The yeah. whole the whole offense had to learn a new offense weekly. Like, I think people not realistic when they – the one thing I do a good job of is I write things down on paper because it, it shows me what's real and what's not. And what's real is we had an offensive coordinator try to install the offense in the midst of what you want to say six, seven, eight months, and we wanted and, – and, and we – took for granted that it did push out some games where it just blew out any performance we've seen in the last three years. Right? We're sitting here wondering, can this offense move the ball when this offense literally just learned this offense 250 days ago? We have a young quarterback. We have a lot of things that we're taking for granted. And everybody just wants returns. We're in a microwave society. Everybody wants it now. Well, I'm from a time when grandma put love in that cooking, and it took a while. And that's why it tastes better. Uh, look, as a guy who mostly microwaves his dinners, I'm with you on that on that on that analogy. All right, so let me ask you this: So let's just say, okay, they got the third pick. For argument's sake, let's just say Caleb Williams and Drake may go one two. However, that were to shake out, uh, that, uh, that would leave Washington in a scenario. You mentioned Jaden Daniels, the the LSU Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. I get the RG3 comparisons, but obviously he also had a pretty tremendous year in college. You've yeah. got – you mentioned the offensive lineman, the Penn State guy. I can't say his name either, so I'll also mention – There's also Joe Alt from Notre Dame who's who's also yeah. like a, a, in that range. And then you got like Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously, yeah. with, with McLaurin and Dotson, you don't need a receiver, but if this yeah. guy is like the receiver of the decade for, the, for college yeah. players, maybe you do. So what would you do – there either to help how or possibly you know find a, a guy to compete with him well it's all about the quarterback market like that's what changes drafts and if they say it's five and a half guys in this thing i know as a top three pick somebody's coming up to that wants to get a quarterback that's afraid he'll be gone i'm going to manipulate that number three pick and i can i can trade down it, it, it's simple it's five or six in a choir another second round pick, I acquire a future pick, I acquire, I, I, I can do versatile things and still get a tackle like Joe, I, I still get a game changer like Brock Bowers. I can still, like I want to get as many players out of this draft as possible. I can get the kid from Houston to tackle. I can get him uh bottom of the first, uh, uh one of the second round picks I got. I want to get Sanders, the tight end from Texas, game changer. I can get him with one of those second round picks. And if I just trade it down, I might even have a third pick, fourth pick in that second round. I can do things in this draft that I can't. I can reshape my whole entire roster from tackle to tight end to also get 
getting uh, a, a speed back in here, but I also want to get, you said wide receiver, I love Marvin Harrison, but that's a lot of draft capital for yes. a position that we got that's filled up. So, no, I'm going to turn that into a late, a later round pick of a – I love the kid Leggett out of uh, South Carolina. I told people a long time ago about Debo Samuels. He's a bigger, faster version of Debo Samuels. He might be gone in the bottom of the first, though. But I do want that tall receiver that I can throw bad footballs to. I want that one with the big catch rates. Maybe the guy Wilson out of Florida State. I can snag him second, third round. And then I want to also get me a pass rusher. So I need holes to be filled. And I just think if I spend that draft capital at, at three, even though I got my second round picks, I'll be selling myself short on the future, especially having all that draft capital and leverage in this draft. Again, you're preaching to the choir here, especially like, as, much, as good as Marvin Harrison is, you know, I think receiver people just overinvest in that position in general. I think it was a mistake for Washington, frankly, to have invested in McLaurin, Dotson, and with Curtis Samuel on the roster as well. You know, as we kind of saw this year, like they weren't, the three of them collectively weren't even, you know, they didn't live up to the production expectations because you got a young quarterback who's learning. With that way they got it wrong, is I don't be, believe in, uh, Drafting a sign in the same type guy. Yes. Like if, if Dotson was six four, now he he don't look the same as everybody in the room. Right. They, they uh, wanted. I, I I remember hearing they'd wanted Drake London that draft, but he went top ten. He, yeah, you know, but, he's like but, six four. That would make more sense, even if I don't really want to invest in receiver. But you're right. Dotson and, and McLaurin are basically kind of the same guy, and Samuel's like the same size at least. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So it's no diversity to the room. No diversity to the room. Now I have to my play calling has to be more even play calling than than player centric. Like I think people wondering why wow, why you're not getting Dawson into the game. And you, well, uh, first of all, I got to get Terry into the game. Find out how to get him into the game, and I got to move the chains at the same time. Right. So they go the difference in it. Like I, the one thing I do learn about Curtis Samuels, like I think Curtis Samuels has played some good football. Yeah. This year. But the only thing I, I, I always ask the question of, if he can do so much, why he's not never been part of the uh, special teams? Why he's never been a return guy, a kickoff or punt return? Like, it, for what for what you do on offense, I need more from you. Like, that's the one thing I can say about this team. If you make some guys shift, like, like for instance, if Charles Leno, as much flack as people get Charles Leno, if Charles Leno is your second uh, best tackle, you got a good team. So that means I just took Amino, I took Joe Ott, and now I could move him to right tackle. All right, they're going to start with Sam Cosme. All right, they're going to start. Not free agency. Plug and play guys in there. Now you have a chance to rewrite the roster. I just think it's a lot to work with. Like even Logan Thomas. If Logan Thomas is your number two tight end, you have a good tight end room. Right? So, Kendall Fuller, he's a veteran I would love to keep. I need you to be a third, fourth cornerback and a teacher. Right? So, if you can get these things, I think then you have a good roster. And don't forget, it'll be guys out there like Micah Hyde and how do I want to pair him with Cam Curley. There's just so many options with 80-plus million dollars of cap room.
Oh, muted myself there for a second. Uh, let me ask you this about the Niners, but in relation to what you're talking about, because you're right, like the thing to me, forget even beyond Hal, I'm with you in general. Like he's largely exceeded expectations and there's at least enough body of work there to say, hey, and then you factor in the contract, the good contract. Maybe there is a world where it makes sense to stay with him. I'm with you. But there, but the bigger, I think, shock to me is this, how many holes now seem to be on this roster? This things have gone south particularly on defense there's a lot of questions for me about what is what what they need um what they need to do um yeah so here's my question as it relates to san francisco i'm looking at their game last night and yep. i'm thinking which of which player if you could just say you're going to take any one of these guys for san from san francisco and put them on washington you yep. can factor in money or age whatever you want yeah who would you pick and i'm and i'll give you the names because it's in relation to what washington actually needs not necessarily yeah. just yeah so okay so you got brock purdy obviously not a good game last yeah. night and you know yeah. maybe you know, he and how were in the same draft clearly he's had a better mm -hmm. start to his career but you know is that more about shanahan or not they that got running back same guy. same guy okay they got running back christian mccaffrey who is like an mvp yep. candidate best running back in the league the, he's the type of playmaker washington really does not have um, on offense, but running backs, you know, people downgrade yeah. them uh, overall. You mentioned Debo Samuel. Um, you know, he is similar to Curtis Samuel, but it just seems that either they find ways to use him in more explosive ways, or he is just more explosive. Uh, yeah. You got George Kittle. You mentioned the tight end before. I've been preaching for them to get an a, a up tight end upgrade for like three years. Hasn't happened. Uh, Trent Williams. We're all familiar with him, and independent of whether he would want to come back here, <laughs> yeah. they they need. A, a tackle upgrade. Uh, he's obviously yeah. one of the best ones in the league. Uh, Nick Bosa. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, six months ago, we wouldn't have said, well, the, a defensive end, but now they do need a, a pass rusher because they got rid of Sweat and Young. Fred mm -hmm. Warner. We've only talked about Washington needed to upgrade its linebacker situation for several years now. And mm -hmm. then you even have a guy like Hafunga, who's like a pro bowler at cornerback. And, you know, uh, oh, it's safety. Okay, well, uh, uh, a pro bowler in the secondary, you know. Yeah. So, so all that said, in relation to what Washington needs, what would you, which of those guys would you pick? And again, it's not they're not coming here. I just mean yeah. as you're looking yeah. at what Washington needs, which of those guys would yeah. you pick for them? First of all, I want I want my guy back, Trent Williams. We still want there. Yeah. All right, but here go the thing about it. If I take Trent back. Right now, with a young quarterback that's very similar to Purdy, can do everything you ask him to do, but have some limitations. Uh, I have to ask myself: Can Trent age with a young quarterback? All right, so the age will get into my mind as a GM at that time. All right, then I ask myself: Pass rusher, most definitely. So Nick Bosa would be the one that I probably, you know, how you get a, you know. Uh, DeVito give you an offer you can't refuse. Right? Yeah. That'll, be, that'll be the mob offer that I cannot refuse would be Nick Bosa because now he is paired up with Deron Payne and John Allen if he's still here and now you have a dominant D-line. Like You have a line that can change and don't forget I'm thinking future so now I'm like all in on Aminu now. Uh, tackle they can grow older with my young quarterback and Nick Bosa young. So I got 10 more years uh, plus with him wishing the passer, but Fred Warner would be, it'll be between Nick Bosa and Fred Warner of who I want. Like period. Those two. And I only eliminated Trent on age because 
a game changing left tackle is everything. And I think it's two, maybe two and a half in this draft. So I can get it with draft capital instead of what's the name. But Nick Bosa will be most definitely the one I cannot refuse, but Fred Warner will be very tempting. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm with you. I played this exercise out in my head last night and I, I learned with Bosa because of the importance of the position. And I'm sure I can hear people yelling, well, why, well then why did they trade? Both Sweat and Young, that's a whole other conversation, but it was a, that was about, it's not working. Well, let's just keep the money open for the future and move forward. Yeah, um, I, I, think, I think they made that mistake when, like me, myself, I'm about, once I put draft capital four first-round picks in, 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 a, in one single room, my four-year plan coming out of that would have been simply, I can only keep two. Right. right? Like, I, I would have knew that. Like somebody finna play to exceed something I can pay and somebody just going to be the odd man out. So I would have been 50, 50. I'd have been, I want to keep one edge rusher. I want to keep one inside guy. Like it would have been simple as that. And I know you would have had to part with two good players, but you don't have to do that anyway. So that's, that's the uh, situation you get in when you sign two players and premium players at the same position. But like, I don't think, John has any like guaranteed money left on his deal. So I think that just opens up a lot of possibilities for things. Right. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, perfect world. I would have probably kept sweat. And then, like you said, maybe wait till the end of the year. If I have to let to trade John Allen for, you know, because he wants a new deal, then I, yeah. then I do that. Um, all right, before I let you go, I got to ask you about your Mississippi state cornerback, Emmanuel yep. Forbes. You obviously mm-hmm. big fan of him coming out and needless to say, yeah, still, a big fan. still a big fan. And here you go, Standy. You, me, anybody, if we got bad parents, we probably going to be bad people. I, he had bad coaching and, and think about it. The one thing that I could say when I came into the league, that let me start very fast was I had not only good coaching, I had great veterans champ, Daryl Green, I had got a mentor at Deion Sanders. I had a mental, I had a buffet of mental guys to pick from. So Fred Schmooch steps right in. Don't miss a step, understands everything. My guy had to listen. Y'all got to understand, we are prisoner to coaching. We have to do what the coaches say. Uh, we do not play. So it's a, it's a give and take. And some great players learn how to do their own thing inside of that coaching. But I thought the one thing that I that kind of disappointed me with him, and I know I'm going to try my best to have conversations with him, it wasn't the covering because he was there. He just didn't finish and make plays. Like, I'm telling you, if you go back and watch the first five, six game, he could have led the NFL in interceptions if he just only complete the, the, the catch in the play. I was more disappointed because I knew this was going to be big when I got into the league was tackling. Right, Because I, I was 170 plus pounds, I knew they was going to run at me and I found techniques to get tackles. And if you look through my career, people did not turn the corner on my corner a lot. I learned how to either make piles and give my players time to get there. or I could go get the tackle myself. And that's what I think he needs to take to the next level. Ball skills are there, finished to play. I just think with better one-on-one coaching, good offseason, put on, you know, hit the waist a little bit. I think he has a chance to be everything that we thought he would be. I'm with you. That Bears game, some of his tackling attempts were pretty egregious. And I think to me, like you said, guys are going to get beat. Uh, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, those guys are really good. But the tackling did seem pretty alarming. And that's when they benched him 
uh, right after that. It wasn't after AJ Brown. It was after yeah. that that uh, that Bears game. But what I was gonna, the last thing I just wanted to ask you about him, he has not played much the last two games. Now he had yeah. the injury, but Rivera mm-hmm. said in the Rams game that he was good. They just decided to go yeah. in a different direction. They had five defensive backs play a hundred percent of the snaps. This week, yeah. St. Juice gets a concussion, then Forbes come in. To the point yeah. earlier about what's the point of sitting Sam Howell? What's the point of Emmanuel Forbes not playing at this point? No rhyme and reason, brother. No rhyme. Like trial by fire. We only we we can get better by osmosis. We can sit on the sideline and get a little better. But we need to get burnt. We need to, like, I need to have something to study in the offseason. I need to know where I am. And I think he needs to be out there. He needs to be playing. And the one thing about all the DBs, I don't think, especially corner-wise, I don't think any of them tackled well. Like St. Juice, for him to be 6'3", I don't think he plays at a physical peak like a like a Jalen Ramsey when it comes to just physicality. I'm not talking about cover. I'm talking about, so I think, yes, he needs to be out there. Yes, he needs to be playing. Just if I'm saying it's only about the future. Now, if you're just trying to win now, hey, I understand. You, you don't want to put him out there, but St. Jude's going to be in protocol. I don't think you just walk in and out of that. Right. I'm assuming Forbes will play now, but like last week when you're going up against the Jets and Trevor Simeon, I would have said, yeah. let's get his feet. Let's get him back some confidence there versus, oh, <laughs> good luck. You got to go up against the 49ers. But um, this has been the story of the year with him. Yeah. By the way, have you been surprised to the degree that teams are attacking St. Juice this year? Like he's getting more targets than almost any corner in the league. It's kind of surprising if you think he's been good. I'm not saying you, but I mean in general. Yeah. Well, they go to think about it to the people that watch film and things. Oh, yes. But he's also, I can give him this to the credit. We gave him the assignment a lot of number ones. And when you play number ones, you will get targeted. And that's just the way it is. Unless you, sh- you shut down Jalen Ramsey, uh, sauce, you know, you get, you get some guys get different treatment, but the thing about St. Juice, he's had opportunities to, to really make some big plays. If I think when he go back and look at this season, it's going to be a season of almost with him because he's never truly out of phase when he's playing against anybody. It just comes to finishing balls. And the one thing I think hurt him, he's a nullifier. Like, I play with guys that's not really looking for interceptions. They want to stay in between the wide receiver and the ball. And breakups going to be how they make plays. And things like forced fumbles, he's good at that. That's how he gets turnovers. He has to manufacture turnovers differently than a corner that goes out there and, and majors in ball retrieval. And I think the ball skill issue is causing him to have the high completion percentage. Because, like I say, he's never out of phase. He's always there to make plays. Yeah, no, he's there. Yeah, yeah, just feels like he's getting beat a lot. Uh, Fred, again, you you delivered. Not only did you provide top-notch information and insight, I'm ready to go run laps. I'm 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 not ready to get hit. I don't I don't want to get hit, but I'm ready to go run laps, even if it's cold outside. Uh, what, is there anything we need to promote for you in your world here? With uh... oh, everybody know I'm all over the place, command center. I do all the stuff with you. You know, I got my Get Live podcast. Me and Michael Jenkins did the podcast with me, Logan Santana. So, hey, anything, commanders, I am there. And and I tell people right now, 
don't get down on it now. I think the future looks bright for this team. I think everybody just has to sell it down. And patience is what it is. Like, patience. I think that's what we had to show some resolve and some patience. And I ain't talking about Brown, Cleveland Browns type patience, which that's a fan base that I admire because they went through so much adversity. Good to see them finally get they just do. But all I'm saying is patience is what I'm preaching. All right. Well, like I said, keep, you keep preaching what you're preaching. We'll talk more about the offseason when we get there. Uh, my guy, have a great New Year's, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Happy holidays, Danny. All right, many thanks to Fred Smoot for his time. And of course, as always, thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. I'm anticipating at least one more before the week is up, before they host the 49ers on Sunday. Um, just in case that something doesn't happen or you don't listen to it, just want to make sure I offer a sincere happy holidays, happy new year to everyone out there. Be safe, enjoy the people around you, and uh, don't take any of it for granted. Um, including the number three pick. Oh, I guess just to discuss that, the, the number three scenario is based on strength of schedule. Right now, Washington has a better strength of schedule than the Patriots, but it's by a smidge. Um, Washington's presumably is going to go up, but New England has a one you have faces the Jets and the Bills. All that said, there's all the, so many other variables because just strength of schedule is based on your entire, entire schedule. So, you know, Teams that they've already played, you basically have to want them to lose. And you want Washington to lose as well. So there you go. All right. That is it, though, for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.